Permeating relationships, it's, our, it's actually our second shared value, and it's one of our shared values because we value friendships that will go beyond superficial. And if you'll notice, it says, um, into realms, realms, realms of supernatural grace. Now hear what I'm saying. We value friendships that go past the superficial into realms of supernatural grace because when we have and are operating in that supernatural grace, we will be able to experience life together both in celebration, which is pretty easy, but also in suffering. It's the idea of Romans twelve fifteen that we will rejoice with those who rejoice and we will weep with those who weep. Sometimes it's easier than others depending on what people are going through. But that is our heart. That is our desire. We value friendships that go beyond the surface, deeper than the surface, and still survive. (laughs) Believe it or not, it's possible. And we value that. We strive for that. Now, you may um, or may not know what permeate means, permeating relationships. So I want to look at that. I want to show you the word permeate just look at it in the dictionary, the consistent um, definition that you're going to hear is um, to pass through. Permeate means to pass through. And so for something to be permeable is something that can be passed through. You with me? Now listen, bottom line on a completely unspiritual note, A person that is permeable is a good friend. A person that is permeable is a good friend. Why? Because he's open. She's open. She's not a vault. She's not closed up. She's willing to open up, share. He's willing to to talk. He's willing to listen, to have a life that is a little vulnerable. You guys hear what I'm saying? Most of us know people and maybe you're even friends with people that they, they just won't go there. They won't talk to you. They won't listen to you. They won't share. They won't open up. And I guess, you know, maybe I'm harsh when I say this, but at the end of the day, it's really not that great of a friend. When someone is a closed-up vault, they tend to not be that great of a friend. Why? Because a person that's permeable will always be a good friend. Now, on a spiritual note, I think every believer should strive to become a person that is permeable. Every person. It's not even an option. It's not even an option. You can't like check yes or no on that. It is a definite check yes. Because when we become a new creation in Jesus Christ, which we talked about last week. How many of you were here last week? When you become a new creation in Jesus Christ, you shed, kind of like a snake sheds skin. You shed... The old life of isolation and vaultification. You shed that. It's no longer who you are. That's gone. If you're writing things down, you can write this down. Believers in Jesus Christ forfeit the right to private lives. Some of you may not like that, but here's the the truth. I've said this before. Believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Christ, Christians forfeit the right to have private lives because by nature, our new nature, our lives are now public. You forfeit that right. 
Our lives are not private anymore. What are they? They are permeable. Now, earlier I said that something that is permeable is something that can be passed through. I left out a piece of that definition. Something that is permeable is something that can be passed through, especially, and hear me close, water and gases. Okay? A synonym for permeable, you know what a synonym is? A word that has uh, an identical or a similar definition. A synonym for permeable is the word porous. How many of you have ever heard that word? Porous. Something is porous. Okay? The definition... Dictionary definition of porous is permeable to water, air, or other kinds of liquids. Porous to be something, when something is porous, it's permeable to water, air, and other kinds of fluids. I think the best example, if you were to think of something porous, um, somebody tell me a definite, something that's porous. A sponge. It's the number one. It's the first thing that comes to our mind. Something that is permeable, something that uh, water and air can easily flow through. Everybody has used a a sponge at one time or another in this place, right? A sponge is a great example of something that is permeable or something that is porous. We know that a sponge, by design, can, can, can take something in, you know, you squeeze it, put it in the water, or I guess you could do like ketchup, but you know, water, and you squeeze it and you put it in, let your hand off, the pressure off, and it goes, and it fills up, right? And once it's full, for the most part, it holds everything that's in there. And you could take it however far you want to and then squeeze it and everything's going to come out. So with a sponge, you could literally transfer something from here, water from this bucket, and you can carry it over here and you could fill up that bucket in time, right? You could use that, a sponge, for that example. Take something and hold it until it's squeezed out in another place. Well, listen to me real carefully. We are porous by design. Everyone in this room is porous by design. If you're writing things down, you can write this. God created us to be permeable, to be porous. If you think about our body, our soul, and our spirit, you hear teachings in the, in the church realm about body, soul, spirit. How they all work together and this, that, and the other. Well, God created us, body, soul, and spirit. And each of those facets or components of our life um, show how God has created us. Porous. Think about our body. Our body is able to, um, to take in water. It can go through us and it will go out of us. In several different ways. We'll stay away from the gross ones. Right? But our body can, can absorb water. And it can also perspire water. Water can come out. Same thing with gases. Specifically, oxygen. Our bodies can absorb oxygen. Right? How many medical scientific people like that? Am I right or did I hear that wrong one time? So you can absorb oxygen and you also can... I guess you let out something else. Carbon dioxide or whatever. I don't know, but... Something, some kind of gas is coming out, you know, one way or the other, right? So our bodies, by design, are created porous. I mean, we, have, we actually have pores in our body, right? We have pores. Think about our soul, okay? Our body is porous physically. Our soul, the emotional part of our, 
our um, being is all, has also been created permeable, porous. We have minds, we have hearts. We've talked about before how in the scripture, our mind and our heart is indicative of our, uh, the uh, seed of our emotions. Our soulish man functions in the realm of our heart, our mind. And guess what? Things can come into our heart and things can come out of our heart. Would you guys agree? Things can come into our mind. Things can go out of our mind, usually by way of our mouth. Jesus has some pretty cool teachings on that, right? So by nature of God's design, we are porous even in the, um, the, the soulish man, the physical man, the soulish man, and then certainly the spirit man. Spiritually, we are permeable. We were created porous. Our spirit has the ability to get and to give, doesn't it? To receive and to give out. Now listen, I've never heard this before, and I've never thought about it before, but in prayer this week, the Lord showed that we are, by design, permeable. In all areas of our life, we're able to um, bring in and to give out. We are able to be passed through. You guys hear what I'm saying? We were created by God. When I say that we are, um, we can flow through us, we are created by God to, one, enjoy sweet fellowship with Him. To enjoy fellowship. When He created us, we were basically for, created for two reasons. You know, I guess you could name a bunch of other reasons, but we'll narrow it down at this point. We were created to enjoy fellowship with God. In other words, we were created to take Him in, weren't we? To take in God. To take Him in. But we were also created to be squeezed out onto others so that they will be inspired to enjoy some sweet fellowship with God. Do you guys agree with that? By design, created to take Him in, for God to squeeze Himself out of us onto others so that they will be inspired to pursue that relationship, that fellowship with God. He created us, created us that way. We are living breathing sponges used by God to soak him up and to pour him out. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. This week I thought of it that way. By the way, how do we enjoy fellowship with God? How is that possible? Because Christ died on the cross, raised from the dead, ascended to the heavens, and when he ascended back to the heavens, what did he give us? The Holy Spirit. We have fellowship with God through his Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is, this, is upon the earth fellowshipping with man now by way of the Holy Spirit, okay? How do we inspire others? If that's part of our design, part of our creation. How do we inspire others? By what they see in our lives. Galatians 5.22 says that it's examples or fruit exemplifications of the Holy Spirit in our life, right? Specifically love. They see love. They see joy. They see the peace we have, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control. The work of the Spirit displayed in our life is what is oozed out into those, and hopefully we're doing it in such a way, a godly way, that it's inspiring them that I need a little bit of that joy. I need a little bit of that peace. Amen? 
What are, and so those are two questions. Now, here's another question. What are two, uh, in the Bible, what are two frequent analogies used of the Holy Spirit? What are analogies that are, that are very commonly used in Scripture for the Holy Spirit? Water and air. Hear what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit, we are created for the Holy Spirit, which is represented in, in Scripture lots of times by water. Right? Come to me, I will give you living water. He who is thirsty, come to me, and I will quench that thirst. Uh, how? By the Holy Spirit. Water. There's all kinds of examples of that. Um, John 4, Jeremiah 2, verse 1. Um, Isaiah 44, John 7, is all over the place. In fact, if you look at Acts 2, this is a great one. It says that he was exalted to the right hand of God, talking about Jesus, and he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured it out like water, what you now see and hear. So it's a great example, right? And Scripture says that we are to follow his example. We are to be imitators of Christ. talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So you can see that, uh, you guys following with what I'm saying? We are poorest people by design to be um, flowed through. What is supposed to flow through is the Holy Spirit. An example of that is, is water. By, by definition, something that is porous, something that is be able to be passed through, especially by water, especially by gases or air. That's another thing in Scripture. You see several places. John 3, you see it in Ezekiel 37. Probably the most common that we're familiar with is Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing what? Wind. And comes upon the believers from that day forth. So water and air flowing through this, the Holy Spirit. We are living, breathing sponges used by God to soak Him up and to pour Him out. By the way, if you think about it too, what are two things that humans cannot go very long without? Water and air. We can't go more than a few minutes without air. We can't go for more than a few days without water. Why is that? It's the way God designed us. We're porous people. We're permeable people. Hear what I'm saying? Now here's a couple of questions. How well are we enjoying fellowship with God? If we were created to walk in fellowship with Him, to experience that, to enjoy that, to soak Him in, how well are we doing it? How well are we enjoying fellowship with God? And if we were created to, to pour that fellowship out, to carry it from, from here to there and pour it on those who have not yet experienced that fellowship, how well are we doing that? How well are we inspiring others to pursue God? I think those are valid questions based upon our design. If you guys went and you bought a lawnmower this afternoon... And tomorrow morning, you got it out of the box. You put the spark plug in, plugged it, you put some gas and oil in it, and then you <laughs> rammed it up, and it didn't work, or it wasn't cutting grass properly, or whatever. You would ask the simple questions. Why is this not working? Why is this not working? And so for us as believers, it only makes sense that if by design, there's at least those two things that we're to accomplish, we ask ourselves on a very frequent, consistent basis, how well am I enjoying the fellowship of God? How well are we inspiring others to pursue God? Amen? 
I think the truth is, is that um, overall, we're not functioning well as a porous people. At least not the way God designed us to be. Now, I was talking with Melissa, um, actually, last night, I believe, or yesterday afternoon, about how, in, as I'm saying this, I am very mindful in, of how blessed our body is because this is probably the most permeating relationship, friendship-type body that I've ever been a part of. So I'm, I'm telling you th- these things, but at the same time, I'm very encouraged that I think, for the most part, we are doing pretty well at this. So the question I'm begging really is, how can we do better? Amen? You ever try to cut a, cut a yard with dull blades? The motor's spinning, the oil's clean, the ignition's working, all that stuff. There's nothing more frustrating than, than walking along a path, and then you come around, you know, you mow, you get around to that spot again, and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> I thought I just went over that. But there's still like little straggly pieces of grass. How many of you want that look kind of yard? <laughs> no. So what do you do? You figure out what's wrong. You narrow it down. The blades are dull. Okay, I need to sharpen the blades. That's all I'm saying this morning. Because overall, I believe this is, and I've experienced that this is a very loving, uh, porous, <laughs> this is the poorest body I've ever been a part of. <laughs> you know, a very permeable people. And there are some great friendships in this church. How many of you are already experiencing great friendships in this church? Okay, so hear me. This is not as much a rebuke as it is a reminder. How well are we enjoying fellowship with God? How well are we inspiring others to pursue God? The truth is, overall, in the body of Christ, we're not functioning quite as the poorest, the permeable people that God designed us to be. As a whole, I would say in the body of Christ, that our pores are blocked. I just, got, I just realized, when you, with your skin, when your pores get blocked, you get these big old nasty, ugly zits. You know, you're not, you know, and then your mirror gets all nasty, and we just don't want that. We were created to reflect God's glory, not have a zit, dirtied up mirror. You know what I mean? Anyway, I don't know. I just thought about that. Gross. <laughs> Spiritually, our spiritual pores are blocked, and I'm, I'm thinking, what, as I'm praying through this, not even really knowing where the Lord's taking all of this, just, just thinking about these things. I ask the question, what is blocking our spiritual pores? What is keeping us locked up and alone, locked away and alone? It's a good question. What is keeping our pores, our spiritual pores, blocked? Why are Christians locked away and alone and not permeating the Holy Spirit upon other people? Melissa and I were talking about it and Discussing it, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you call it fear. You call it fear. And I talk about fear here and there and everywhere. We hear so much about fear. And we're all used to 2 Timothy. Most of us are familiar. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse verse 7. God has not given us, but... Yeah, and those of you who didn't know it, you read it on the screen, you know. But it's true. He has not given us a spirit of fear. By design, that wasn't in our makeup. Two words to look at in this in the scripture. Spirit and fear. First of all, spirit, it's the word, it's the word pneuma in the Greek. It's the word used um, for the Holy Spirit. But also, just in common language, it translates wind. 
Do you guys hear what I'm saying? It translates wind. It translates wind. It translates breath. When he created us, he, he, he gave us his pneuma. He, he pneumed into us. He breathed into us. It's a different Hebrew word, but you guys hear what I'm saying? Why? Because that's what's to pass through us. And so what he has not created to pass through us is fear. But it does, and it clogs our pores spiritually. And you think about the word fear. Some of your versions say he hasn't given us a spirit of timidity. Wow. Think about what it means to be timid. You know, it kind of feels like a different word than fear. But what a wonderful translation because that is exactly what happens when our, clo- our pores get clogged up. Is all of a sudden we become timid people. Timid just means, uh, if you look at it in dic- dictionary, it means fear of the unknown or the unfamiliar. Fear is at the root of that word, timidity. Another definition is fearfulness of venturing into new and unknown places or activities. Being timid. And we are timid people overall in the body of Christ. That's why the world ultimately looks the way it does. Our spiritual pores are all clogged up. What are they clogged up with? The list could go on and on and on and on and on. You have your own list. You can pinpoint your own clogging agents. But to name a few, how about hurt? How about discouragement? Disappointment. Insecurity. Well, I mean, I I dabble in that stuff. You can't dabble in it. Any dabbling in it starts clogging your pores. And all of a sudden, you're not that sponge that God has called you to be. You're not engulfed, filled up with the Holy Spirit, with God's stuff, and you're not squeezing it out on anyone else. Think about hurt. What is hurt? How does hurt keep us from being a nice God sponge? Well, when I'm hurt, I've experienced something in my emotional man. Something came into me, and I'm hurt. Guess what? I don't want to experience that again. So what I do? I lock myself away and alone. Close up. Vault is shut. Locked. Throw away the key. Why? I don't want to experience that hurt again. Or you could even be on the flip side of that hurt. Yeah, I've been hurt. And because of that hurt, I know I've hurt people. I don't want to hurt people. So rather than going into a new activity or an unknown place or person or relationship, I'll just lock myself away. I've been hurt. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to hurt others. I've hurt others before. That wasn't fun. I'll just stay away altogether. Am I talking to anybody in this room? Think about disappointment. I've been disappointed. I put a lot of effort into that. A lot of stock. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. I was disappointed. Didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Guess what? I'm not going to do again. That. So I just stay away from that activity, that relationship. Because I'm afraid to be disappointed again. What is the root root of disappointment? Fear. You think about insecurity. Well, I tried this one time and someone made fun of me. 
because I wasn't that good at it. Or I tried to be friends with this person and it wasn't good at it. Now, let me, can I tell you a personal story I wasn't at? I wasn't even going to share this. I just thought about it, though. Several things that I experienced growing up that clocks and pours for a very long time. And this is going to sound stupid. Let me give you an example. When I was in third grade, third grade, well, let me back up. My mom and dad got divorced, divorced when I was three and a half years old. You know, the, you do the whole custody thing. My mom actually had custody of me, unstable woman. But she was my mom, and my dad was my dad, and I was confused, and I didn't really know what was going on. Probably hurt, no telling what. I was definitely hurt, right? How many of you experienced that one? At a young age, old age, any age. So my mom had me, and she had boyfriends, and this and that and the other. And, you know, I was just like my sons whenever I was a kid. I was a hoodlum. I mean, I had tons of energy, tons of imagination. Um, um, my, my, you know, just no telling how I was. I mean, probably just like uh, I think about Rowan, my son, who's five now, uh, but not much older than I was when that happened. And one day, I don't know what, exactly what happened, but my mom decided she couldn't handle me. And so she marched me over to my dad's house without calling. My dad had already been remarried by then. I had a stepmom. We stood there for a second. I don't really remember much of it other than hearing the story, really. You know, it's kind of one of those memories. It's like, it's there, but, you know. She knocked on the door and walked off. My dad opened the door, and there I was. And it's hurtful, right? You don't know how to process that as a four-year-old, so you're not really going, now what should I do about this? If I were to dig deep right now, what would I feel? (laughs) No, so what do you do? You act out. You become hateful and mean. I was the kid that got fights like that. Kindergarten, I beat up a fifth grader. On the bus. I got kicked out of the bus. Couldn't ride the bus anymore. As a kindergartner. I was mean. The only reason I was able to beat up a fifth grader is because of the hate. That was in me. You hear what I'm saying? Then you skip ahead. You know, you live life. And my, my stepmom was a little rough around the edges. She didn't know the Lord yet. You know, she had a, a, you know, a mean backhand. And I'm not talking about tennis. Any of you guys, am I speaking any languages to anyone here? Well, that didn't help the the hurtful and the meanness, did it? It just reinforced it. So all throughout school, guess what I did? I never did drugs. Didn't do too much alcohol. But I was abandoned and rejected. Which made me angry. And I needed some attention. So what I did, was I got in fights every chance I had. And I had lots of sex. That was my... uh, coping mechanism just being honest just being porous third grade this is a weird story and you may not can relate but I was just like my sons my sons are very sensitive very sweet at the core of who they are there was a big part of me that wasn't the Holy Spirit but I had a lot of love had a lot of affection I was kind of a I wanted to be an affectionate guy you know what I mean just I loved my friends and I enjoyed school I wanted to be at school why because I just you know in third grade, I had a, bre- a best friend. His name was Sean Pike. But 
Anyway, one day, we were, he was my best friend. You guys ever had a best friend? You like your best friend. You even love your best friend. So one day in the third grade, I could finally write and spell and draw hearts and whatever, I wrote my best friend, Sean Pike, a note. Dear Sean, um, I think it was his birthday. I just want to say happy birthday, something to the effect of, you're my very best friend. Um, I'm so glad we're friends. Um, I like for you to come to my house. I like going, you know, whatever. I don't, whatever third graders write. And I was pretty happy about it. I, probably, I may have even drawn a smiley face. I don't remember, but I was pretty happy about it. So I carried it over to him. And I remember where he was, where I was, and I remember who all was there. I remember it. And I gave it to him. He's like, what's this? I go, it's just like a birthday note. And so he opens it up and reads it. And then starts laughing and showing it around to his friends, the other friends, calling me gay, calling me stupid. Everybody was laughing. The girl I had a crush on at the time, her name was Susan, laughing hysterically at me. Let me tell you something. Shut the vault. Locked it. Threw away the key. And that's just a couple of experiences. And Melissa can tell you, the first few years of our marriage, that door was locked. It was closed. It wasn't until God did some redemptive things in our marriage that he began showing me my issues. And it's such a pleasure, so relieving to finally be the poorest person that God created me to be, to be the permeable person. I'm still not great at it. I still have my moments of, because I've been hurt since. I've been hurt since I've walked through healing. You begin to handle it different, right? He created me porous. That's just just my testimony. No telling what yours looks like. Probably worse, some of you. So we're closed off. I'm not going there. You're not able to receive from the Lord. You're not able to give out. You're just a locked vault. But you're a believer. Born again. Because of the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. Filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so that frame of mind. That frame of thinking. That condition of life. Is no longer an option. It has to be addressed. You have to. To change. You have to grow. You have to find that key. Dig around. Look under the bed. Look under whatever. Find it. And that door has got to be opened. Otherwise, you will never be happy, satisfied, because the ability for the Holy Spirit to flow through you is not there. So what can clean it? what can clean out our pores what is I guess the answer would be well what's the opposite of fear according to scripture it's what it's love it's love the opposite of fear is love everybody turn to 1 John 4 I don't know that anybody's ever said it as good as John did in this first letter beloved which is another way of describing a son of God, child of God, 
a believer, one who's committed his life, one who's been born again, one who's been made a new creation like you and me. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. In other words, it showed itself in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. He loved us. Beloved, if God loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that he uh, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence, not in security, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother. Now what was just described is the process of God's design that we are sponges and we are absorbing his love and not hogging it and locking that love up in a vault but taking it, carrying it over here squeezing it out pouring it out on those around us. Amen? Matthew 10, 5 says, freely you have received. Freely you have received. Now, freely give. Again, it's, it's the sponge thing. So I have a few questions for you. One, have you received, have you soaked up his love yet? Have you been born again? Have you received the love that can change a person from the inside out? Has it flown through you to where you are a new creation? Have you been born again? If you haven't, I can't think of anything in the world better than do. I mean, I, I was thinking about McAllister's tea a little bit earlier today and how sweet it is. <laughs> but that pales in comparison to God's love filling me up. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? That's a good question. Have you 
been filled with the love of God? Have you been born again? Has he made that deep transaction within you? He longs to, and he's probably tried to, but have you been the guy with the locked uh, vault? I get that you're hurt. I get it. Believe me, I do. I get that you're disappointed. I, I get that you might even be a little insecure. But that will never change without you being absorbed, uh, without you absorbing the love of God and letting it flow through you, pass through you. Another question is, maybe you're this place. You've received his love, but how well are you receiving his love now? Well, you know, the, the, the sponge is actually pretty empty. It doesn't have to be. Because the love of God has to continually be soaked up in us. For it, to, for it to be and do in us what it's supposed to be. Amen? It's a good question. You've, you've been born again. You, you've been saved. You've had some sort of start with the Lord. But where is it at now? Where is it? I guess the third question for, for anyone is, are you giving it out? Are you truly being a sponge? Has it absorbed within you? Are you walking to different places are you able to get past the timidity and go to new places, activities, relationships and pour it out? If you're not, the process is incomplete and you're not functioning as the permeable, porous, spongy person God created you to be. You know, one of the common questions I hear is, it's not questions but comments is, we just need to be the church. We just need to be the church. We need to be the church. You know, the definition of church, ecclesia, is a called out assembly. You want to be the church? And what you're saying is you wanting to be a called out one. But you can't be called out. You're still locked in your own vault. Don't harp on the church for not being called out. If you yourself have not made the decision to come out of that vault... You're called out as an individual. And maybe the first place you're able to sponge around is within the body. Love on some people in the body. And man, I just truly believe that when people will do that, the church will be so healthy that the church will be like this giant sponge soaking the community with the love of God. Amen? You want to talk about being in the church? It starts with you. It starts with me. calling us out of our vaults. He's calling us to be people who will pour ourselves into the many within the body. And he's calling the church out. A called out assembly. Soak the world with his love.